The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. As Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside by themselves and said to them on the way, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and scourged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee approached Jesus with her sons and did him homage, wishing to ask him for something. He said to her, What do you wish? She answered him, Command that these two sons of mine sit, one at your right and the other at your left, in your kingdom. Jesus said in reply, You do not know what you are asking. Can you drink the chalice that I am going to drink? They said to him, We can. He replied, My chalice you will indeed drink, but to sit at my right and at my left, this is not mine to give, but is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. When the ten heard this, they became indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus summoned them and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and the great ones make their authority over them felt but it shall not be so among you. Rather, whoever wishes to be great among you shall be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just so, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Gospel of the Lord. Several years ago, a friend gave me a book called Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. The last chapter of the book is called Thinking About Life, and it begins with a very insightful survey about marriage. A group of people in Germany were asked about their satisfaction with life over a number of years leading up to their marriage and several years after their marriage. The graph revealed that the year of their wedding was a high point in happiness and satisfaction, while every year after marriage that satisfaction level declined. (laughs) Can you relate to that graph in your own married life and the happiness that marriage brought you? Here is what Kahneman concludes. He writes, The graph evokes nervous laughter from audiences, and the nervousness is easy to understand. After all, people who decide to get married do so, either because they expect it will make them happier or because they hope that making a tie permanent will maintain the present state of bliss. Kahneman concludes, and this is the critical point, the decision to get married reflects, for most people, a massive error 
of affective forecasting. On their wedding day, the bride and the groom know that the rate of divorce is high and that the incidence of marital disappointment is even higher. But they do not believe that these statistics apply to them. Now, would you please raise your hand if you made a similar massive error in affective forecasting? (laughs) Just kidding. I think we all make that massive error when we are young. We are mistaken about what will make us happy. In the gospel today, Jesus is trying to help his apostles avoid a massive error in affective forecasting. He is not talking about marriage, but rather discipleship. That is, the disciples have some definite ideas in their heads about what following Jesus means, namely, positions of power, royal authority, being the boss, and telling other people what to do. And they believed that doing those things would bring them happiness. After all, why bother following Jesus if he's not going to make you happy? Like Daniel Kahneman in his book, so too Jesus wants to help his disciples to think about life and not make a massive error of affective forecasting. He tells them bluntly that following him will not be all butterflies and unicorns, but rather they will have to pick up their cross and learn to be servant leaders, not bosses in high-back leather chairs who tell others what to do. But just like it is almost impossible to convince engaged couples that the divorce rate is high, and the incident of marital disappointment is even higher, so the disciples did not believe Jesus' dire warnings about following him. In other words, we are all doomed to make this massive error of affective forecasting when we begin our adult life. My friends, one decision, decisive advantage we have over the original disciples of Jesus is that we know how the story ends. That is, we know how events will unfold on Palm Sunday, Holy Thursday, Judas' betrayal, Peter's denial, John's faithfulness, Mary's sorrow, the empty tomb, and the glory of Easter Sunday. We have a panoramic perspective, a little like that graph that Dr. Kahneman referred to, showing people's happiness levels before and after their wedding. All engaged couples should study that graph closely. But our faith teaches us more than that graph because it shows us that the real end of the story culminates not here on earth, but in heaven, where that massive error in affective forecasting will finally be rectified. We will, at long last, be truly happy. 
This self-correction of our massive error of forecasting happiness is what Lent is all about. For 40 days, we are reminded that discipleship comes at a cost. Following Jesus does indeed entail immense joy and happiness, but first comes the cross. There can be no Easter Sunday resurrection without first a Good Friday crucifixion. And most of this life will feel more like Good Friday than Easter Sunday. And that is something both disciples of Jesus and engaged couples should remember. Praise to be Jesus Christ.